Hey everyone, this is Anthony Grants, and I want to introduce you all to this podcast. It's called Superstar PR, and it's all about entertainment insider chats with Nikki, the founder of the PR agency, Nikki Inc. This podcast chats with some serious entertainers and media insiders, always choosing people who are making a difference in the entertainment world and who have cool stories to share. Happy listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Superstar PR. Today's guest is the head of fashion content for a London, England-based Commonwealth Fashion Council. She's pursuing her master's in fashion communications at Nottingham Trent University. Not bad. And having worked in media for the last 10 years, she has interviewed Justin Trudeau, reported from Washington for the presidential inauguration and the Women's March in 2017. She's covered Fashion Week, and she's freelanced as a stylist and content creator. Her work has appeared in the kit, Holler Magazine, Annex Business Media, and several other publications. After completing her master's, she hopes to one day be the director of public relations for a major fashion powerhouse. And her name is Alana Ferry. Welcome, Alana. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, it's it's so funny because like I'm usually the one interviewing people and getting to know their story and to learn more about them. So when it's the tables are turned in cases like this, it definitely takes me out of my comfort zone, but it also kind of lets me know what the people on the other end are feeling or what they're going through. So it's, I'm sure there's a metaphor in here somewhere about getting out of your comfort zone and being in the other uh, side of the table. So thank you so much for having me on and giving me this experience. Well, you know, Alana, um, I think that I'm a fan of journalists more than anybody, because I think you guys have a wealth of good stories in your mind. Yeah. And that's cool. Right. So, I mean, (laughs) if we could talk about for you with your experience as a journalist, what's been a career highlight? What's a moment you're like, I can't believe that happened. You know, I've really been lucky in my journalism career. You know, I've pretty much been in this since I was 18. Not only was it the first person I ever interviewed, but it was the first article I'd ever written. It was a lunch interview with Justin Trudeau. So, you know, that was, you know, regard, I won't get into politics. I know that some people have conflicting opinions there, but, you know, like for me at that time, he was probably the most intimidating person that I could ever think to you know, interview, which made interviewing people after that a cakewalk, because once you get the most intimidating person done and out of the way, everyone else is like a walk in the park. And, you know, ever since then, I had so many different incredible opportunities. And, you know, like, for me, what has always benefited me in my career is that whatever opportunity came to me, I always said yes. It didn't matter if I had never done it before. I wasn't sure if I was qualified for it or if I didn't have experience doing it. I always said yes and figured it out as I went along. But, you know, I will definitely be telling my kids and my grandkids someday. It will definitely be when I was sent to Washington to cover the presidential inauguration and the Women's March back in 2017. And solely because... From that experience, I became an expert dodger of tear gas and pepper spray. I was getting right in the middle of all of these riots, all of these protests, really just, you know, not even kind of thinking about the comfort zone that I usually had. I was just throwing myself in. And then afterwards being like, did I really just put myself through this? Like I had no regard for my safety here at all. But, you know, again, it's like one of those things where politics, it's especially in the past like couple of years, it's been a very 
delicate topic with people, but you can deny that it being a part of history and being able to be really like in the throes of it. It was just a fascinating experience. And especially being part of the women's March, like that was incredibly empowering and being able to connect with so many people and hear their experiences and why they were there and what their causes were, you know, it's been, you know, four years since that that uh, event that I covered. And I think about it often. And I feel like so many times in my career, you know, I always think back on that and think, you know what, like, I'm not going to say I can't do anything anymore. Look, look, I survived, you know, all these rides and protests. So I don't question myself anymore. I know I can handle it. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. And I I think you kind of remind me of a character from Emily in Paris, but you're just like, (laughs) You're in the UK, right? Because you're a Canadian. So how do you relate to Emily in Paris being a Canadian who now lives in the UK? You know, I mean, this is actually a fun fact. Uh, About two weeks ago, it was Canadian Thanksgiving. And I was obviously not in Canada for Thanksgiving. And, you know, that's the really the first time I haven't been with my family for a major holiday. And so um, my boss with the uh, Commonwealth Fashion Council, he instead invited me down to London for the day so that I didn't have to be alone, which first of all, so mm-hmm. thoughtful and really sweet of him to do that. But the pub that we went to, Lily Collins from Emily in Paris was sitting at the table right beside us. So, you know, it's so funny that you are making that connection there because I've actually sat right beside her and we made eye contact and she smiled at me. And so she's wearing something cute. You know what? She was dressed very casually, like to a point where like, you know, if I didn't know who she was, like I may not have like given it a second glance, but even so her dressed casually, she was just wearing leggings, a sweatshirt and uh, sneakers. She still looked beautiful and (laughs) yeah. And but she was there with her mom and her husband. But uh, to get back to your earlier question, um, you know, I think that definitely I I do see some comparisons to, you know, Emily in Paris and myself. You know, I'm a girl from North America coming, flying overseas and really pursuing my master's, trying to get my career on track and also just really taking this as, as it comes. You know, I I was supposed to actually start my master's last year, but because of COVID, I deferred for a year. And so now that I'm here, I really feel like I kind of earned my place being here. And because I had to wait an extra year to get here, I'm really taking advantage of the fact that I'm here. And I'm making sure that, you know, when this year is done, I don't have to look back on the year thinking, I didn't take advantage of being here. I wish that I did more things. I wish I had gone out more. I wish I had gone out with that cute boy from, from Tinder or from wherever. Like I, you know, like I'm not regretting anything and I'm making sure that I'm doing everything on my terms and not doing things because I'm expected to, to do it. I feel like I'm really kind of now taking ownership of my own life and how I want it to be. Oh my gosh. I love it. And you've been to a fashion show. Can you tell us about the fashion show? Oh, yes. So literally six days after moving here to England, I attended my first London Fashion Week. (gasps) Yeah. So, you know, I was already dealing with so much jet lag, still trying to find my footing, you know, 
meeting new classmates and everything. And then a friend of mine who has lived here for quite some time, and she had been very helpful with the, so many questions that I had before coming out here. She messaged me and said, hey, you know, I don't want to overwhelm you, but I have tickets to London Fashion Week. Would you like to come? And again, even though I was so jet lagged, but at the same time, I was like, who knows when I'm where I'm going to be in a year. And if I decide to stay in London or wherever I'm going to be in the world, when am I going to have another opportunity to go to London Fashion Week? Yes, I'm going. How was it? You know what? Like, because for me, I've only ever been either worked or attended Toronto Fashion Week. So I had never been to like another major, you know, fashion show abroad or at a major fashion capital. And I love Toronto Fashion Week and it, it's the shows have always been fantastic, but just there's something about being at a London Fashion Week, just the adrenaline, the energy and the fashion. Like, oh. you know, I just felt so reinvigorated being there, especially after, you know, 18 plus months of being in COVID and being in lockdown and, you know, wishing to that I could be back to doing things and to you know, just be living it up essentially. So. Oh my God. I love it. it. What's your horoscope sign? Oh, I'm a uh, Capricorn. Capricorn, such an adventurous Capricorn. Okay. So, um, (laughs) I have to ask you, you know, with, with the fashion show and what you've seen lately, like we're almost, I think done with COVID. What do you see happening in fashion? Again, because I worked in media throughout the entire pandemic. And so, I know that everyone is so COVID fatigued and they're tired of talking about it, tired of dealing with the after effects of it. But at the same time, for all of the terrible things that we've seen with COVID, I do think that COVID also created a lot of innovation, especially in the fashion space. And, you know, I'm even kind of writing my dissertation about this, but we've seen a huge space in digital fashion and electric fashion. And, you know, this has come in the form of electric garments and especially more recently with NFTs and the metaverse. And that space is really expanded, as we saw with Dolce & Gabbana's $5.6 million NFT dress that sold a few weeks ago. So I do really think that you know, COVID and all of its terribleness, the silver lining is that there was this incredible space that developed. And it's also really reshaped the way that we see the industry, you know, especially when we lost all of our um, like in-person events. We didn't have in-person fashion shows, but instead we saw virtual fashion shows. We saw all of these different ways of kind of presenting fashion. And I think it's created a really exciting platform that I think we're going to see a ton of growth from that in the years to come, even in this post COVID-19 world. Oh my gosh. I I'm not going to disagree with you. Um, my mother actually said to me the other day, do you have a, a wallet protector? And I didn't know what she was talking about. And she (laughs) said, I saw it on TV shopping. There's something that protects your credit cards. You should really get one. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think my mother just, she's talking with, is that NFT or uh, so NFTs, they're like uh, non-fungible tokens is what they stand for. And oh. yeah, it's, yeah, they're ba- it's basically kind of like a, and Gucci also has a, a, a NFT collection, their ARIA campaign. It's, it'll be interesting to see if that's really going to be a reality that's COVID-19 exclusive, or if that's going to be something that develops in the future. So well, totally. Cause Alana, did we ever think that designers would be making COVID masks? And now I see people wearing Louis Vuitton face masks and I'm just like, Hey, 
It floats your boat. I think it matches your outfit. Yeah, exactly. And and again, the designers have also been getting creative with that. We've seen, I want to say it was it was Louis Vuitton. I'm don't quote me on that, but they created like a sweater. It looks like a turtleneck, but you can like hike it up and it it's like a mask. Yeah. So I they're definitely getting creative, especially since masks are gonna be our reality for a little bit longer, I feel. Yes, you know, um, the other day I saw a lady wearing this beautiful outfit. It was all patterns and I don't do patterns, but I yeah. admire them on other people. And then her her mask matched and I was like, blown away. I, was like, I know. Okay. Well, let me ask you now, is there anything about being a Canadian in the UK that's kind of shocked you from terminology to food to like anything like that? Yes. Uh, <laughs> my my British friends, they kind of laugh at me because, um, you know, something that a lot of British people will say to you as you're walking by, you know, instead of like, you know, back home, we say, oh, hi, how are you? They'll see you and go, are you all right? And, you know, if someone says that to me, I assume like, is there something in my teeth? Like, do you think there's something not right with me? And I would get kind of like on edge with that. I was like, yes. Why? Like, what do you mean? Why? What do you mean? I'm all right. They're like, are you all right? And I was like, yes, how are you? And they're, and they, it creates like this awkward thing. And then I took me some time to clue in that, wow, you know, it, it's literally them at, it's their way of asking, how are how you? Are you? And, okay, this is like really good to know. And another super, this one's hilarious and maybe a bit embarrassing on my end. Um, a few uh, classmates and I, we went for drinks the other week and a friend of mine, and she's actually also one of my interns with uh, CFC. She was like, here, I'm going to get you a drink, Alana. Uh, here, I'm going to get you a drumstick. And I'm thinking, what's a drumstick? She goes, oh, it's a drink. And then they put a drumstick like in the thing. And I, you know, I hear drumstick and I think of like a chicken leg and I'm like, I went, ew. So wait a minute. What, what did they actually put in the drink? <laughs> A drumstick in here, it's like a lollipop that they put in there. But I thought of, again, I had never, we don't have them in Canada. But so when she's like, you you put the drumstick in your drink. I was like, ew, like, don't put, don't put chicken in my drink. And she's like, what do you mean chicken? What are you drinking over there in Canada? Then she showed it to me that it was a lollipop. So learning curve, definitely. This is hilarious. This all of these things would happen to me that are happening to you. If you said to me, "Are you all right?" I'd I'd actually be like, "Do I look like I'm gonna cry?" Yeah, that's because you know, I when I say, "Are you all right?" to someone, they either look like not well, they're upset, and like that's me like showing concern. So then be, constantly being like, "Are you all right? Are you all right?" I'm like, "Is there something on my face? Like, is there something in my teeth?" Like, but you know, again, like um, not to tie this back to like you know storytelling or anything but it also for me you know in my PR and my writing career uh, to also just expand my thinking and understand that what might mean something to me may translate differently to someone else and so it's really kind of made me more cognizant of what I'm writing and how it's being interpreted across. They say that travel unravels and re-ravels you a little differently because you're like oh you know I remember you know when I went to China um, mm-hmm. breakfast could have been rice there. Yeah. And I was like floored by rice at breakfast, but it's all good, <laughs> right. So let me ask you now, um, in terms of writing a story, what do you think makes for a well-written story? Absolutely. So I think first and foremost, cause I've had some people pitch articles to me or pitch ideas to me. And I guess the easier question to answer is what doesn't make for a good story? Because sometimes I'll get these pitches and they'll say what it is. And I, I'm just sitting there going, so what? You know, like it doesn't tell me anything. It's not expansive enough. It's not really 
telling me why others would care about this or why this is groundbreaking. And, you know, obviously not every, I'm not expecting like a Pulitzer prize winning article or a written piece from people, but, you know, it has to make me feel like this is the first time I'm seeing something like this. And it has to be something that I would read or want to read and not read just because like I'm editing it or because I'm getting it, trying to get it published in mainstream media somewhere. Like I, want it to be something that resonates with so many other people, not just with me. And for me, that is really what I look for when I have writers or my interns pitching to me, or even something that I'm careful of when I'm pitching to others and thinking, because again, when, when you're your own writer, like you're always going to think that what you're writing is the best, but you kind of have to take yourself out of that and kind of like see it from a different perspective and think, okay, what could someone say about this that I need to work on, or maybe I need to develop further? It's about really refining your language and refining your thinking. And that was advice that I got when it came to writing and writing pitches. And that was probably the best piece of advice I ever had. I like that. Why would everybody care and refine your pitch? It's really good. Okay. I have a statement for you and I want you to tell me which one is more you. So I have the people who say to me, I make things happen. And I have the people who say to me, no, I let things happen. I'm guided. Which one are you? I make things happen. I like it. Especially just like thinking about my career and thinking about everything that has brought me to this point. I, I know that this was all me and this was all of my hard work and I did everything that I could. And, you know, there were circumstances that I had been in where I wasn't particularly happy. I wasn't fulfilled, especially when it came to my career. And, you know, I recognized that that was something that wasn't serving me anymore. And I think, you know, and that translates to both, you know, your business and relationships and friendships, everything. If something isn't serving you anymore, you can't stay there anymore. And so I put in a ton of work to get myself out of that space. And especially when it comes to my career, I, I'm sure so many other young professionals can relate to this, but I had a lot of imposter syndrome. And so many times I, in my career, I would think I don't deserve a place at the table. Maybe I'm too young. Maybe I don't have enough experience. Maybe I'm not qualified enough, but that's not true. I know very, I know what I'm capable of and I know what I bring to the table. Hell, maybe I brought the damn table and I brought the table and I brought so, the damn and table. exactly. And that's kind of like what I tell myself when I do catch myself now in that imposter syndrome-esque type of thinking, you brought the table. Like you don't have to second guess yourself or wonder, am I actually meant for this? You know, it was funny, even when you reached out to me to do this podcast, I remember saying to somebody, I don't know if I'm qualified to be on here. Like, what advice can I bring? And they, and like, they even said, like, do you actually believe that? And I thought about it. I was like, no, I, I know. I've, I know I've got enough to enough for like advice and enough like life experience behind me to really talk to others about this. And so, yeah. Cause like, again, like with imposter syndrome, it's so easy to kind of stick into that, but now I'm at a point now where like I hear it and I'm just tell them, you know, some colorful language and I, I push through that and I make myself successful. Like I never dreamed about being successful. I worked hard for it. 
I love it. Um, okay, so a little bit of the position you're doing right now, the Commonwealth Fashion Council, what's that? Absolutely. So it is based out here in London and it is really, it's a not-for-profit and it's basically trying to become that governing intergovernmental organization for the fashion industry because we don't have a governing body representing the Commonwealth's Fashion Institute. And what I love about it is that it really does cover so many things that I'm passionate about. And, you know, this covers diversity and inclusion. It looks at sustainability, animal welfare, women's rights, gender equality, and so many different things and, and how it affects different countries in the Commonwealth. And we actually have our first major article launching on the 29th. You know, I'm really excited for that to really be pushed out there, especially because um, when I joined this uh, position, we didn't have any original content. It had been a lot of repurposed content. So, you know, now I'm I have this coming out and I also have like my own team of interns who've been working really hard and promoting it and also coming up with ideas of their own for the next article. And so I've been really lucky, you know, my, my boss, Daniel, who, you know, great friend and mentor, he's really been guiding me through a lot of this and has been really helpful. And because again, before this job, I didn't know what that, what Commonwealth fashion meant. And so learning from him has been a tremendous experience and I'm I'm just so thankful to really be part of this while also doing my studies. I think you're amazing. Okay, my last question is dinner with anybody dead or alive. Oh, this is so good. Um okay, so I think if I'm we're going to go with the dead route, um I would love to have dinner with Carolyn Bassett Kennedy. Because if anyone has ever talked to me, they will know she is one of my fashion icons. Like she, I've never seen anyone rock just minimalist fashion as well as she did. And even too, because, you know, it went while she was still alive, she was so private and she was so, you know, like guarded. And I think we all, she deserves like an apology from everybody because, you know, back in the nineties when, when, uh, you know, she was just so like private and trying to protect herself, everyone was writing her off as being difficult, as being, you know, terrible words that I probably don't want to say, but, you know, like she was trying to do what she had to do to survive and protect her mental health. And, you know, and, and friends to this day have said how she was painted in the media is not how she was in real life. She was really, truly a lovely person. She was funny. She was you know, she was just trying to protect herself. And so for me, I think that I would love to just get to know her without the pretenses of like, oh, like I'm trying to expose you. I'm trying to get to know who the Mrs. John, John F. Kennedy Jr.'s wife is. Like, I feel like, I feel like we would be friends. So I think that's like the best answer ever. And Mm -hmm. I agree with you 100%. I think her fashion sense has guided me. I've never seen anybody wear a jean cropped with the perfect shoe, the perfect coat. And I've tried to emulate that look so many times, but (laughs) I digress. I love that answer. Alana, I'm so excited that we got a chance to do this update for my podcast, because I think like you are my version of Emily in Paris. You're just Alana in the UK. And I almost feel like that's an Instagram handle for you, Alana in UK. But anyway. Oh my God. I might have to change my, my Instagram handle now. You might have inspired me. Because I could be your publicist. I think you're doing really cool things. I would love that. You know what, darling? I think you brought the table. 
Thank you. We both brought, we brought our own table. We both really did Nikki. And I, I think that's why I've always loved supporting your work. I loved seeing you just really own it and really just make things work. And so it's really been inspiring these last few years, you know, knowing you and seeing everything that you've done. And so it's such an honor being on your podcast today. Thank you, darling. Well, I can't wait to hear what comes next for you and we will connect again. And I can't wait for listeners to hear this. Thank you for joining me on Superstar PR. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Superstar PR. New episodes are available every other Friday. And you know, we would love your feedback. So please rate and review us on Apple Podcast. And be sure to subscribe to Superstar PR on your favorite streaming service and visit www.mickeyinc.ca to sign up for podcast alerts and notifications. Thank you so much for listening.